Ladies and gentlemen of the Sermon Podcast audience, this is Pastor Adam with you. I am recording from my hotel room at approximately 11 p.m. here in Prescott, Arizona, and it's been an amazing day. I wanted to share with you some bonus content from a wonderful conversation that took place this morning at the invitation of the best friend of our show, Pastor Evangelist Jeremiah Wacker. I received an invite to join a group of men, uh, some pastors and others from uh, the Prescott Church and the Chinle Church uh, around a table at a Starbucks to hear from one of the heroes of our fellowship, Pastor Artie Aragon. And before we started recording, he brought out his phone and showed us all a picture which was of his 18-year-old son that passed away several years ago. It happened to be on this day that this was recorded. And uh, what you're about to hear is a conversation that started off as Pastor Artie reflected on the life and the last moments of his son's life and what he learned from that, how he grew out of that, and lessons that we can all take away from that. This is a great treasure of a conversation it took place at a public Starbucks at approximately 6.30 this morning. Do want to apologize for all of the background sound. That's the best we could do in this situation. Uh, but we really hope that you enjoy this bonus content. More to come, but thank you for being a listener of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. You showed me a picture a minute ago of your son's gravesite few moments ago. Yeah. That was 21 years ago today. That's correct. How old would he have been today? Uh, 37. Wow. Yeah. That is he's 18 years old. He's very nice. In fact, I got another picture that's pretty clever. If you've got to lose a child in the ministry, which I will tell you is life-altering, you will deal with things that you never thought were ever happening. But if you've got to lose a son, this is what you would actually call the perfect storm. At this point in his little life, he is at the altar to Prescott Conference. Wow. With that beautiful smile, he had just graduated. He was a salutatorian just at a speech for 10,000 people. Unbelievable. And he had 12 hours to live. Goodness. So that night, <clears throat> man, <clears throat> he heard a sermon from Jeff Wren. Called the Second Mile Man. I'll never forget yes. that sermon. So, if you remember, I was covered with blood clots. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. covered with blood clots. I was sick beyond the words. But I refused not to go to conference. So then Ike Cook, Pete, and Steve, the other guy, were a team. Steve Gurney. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, he comes to me that night, and he said, Dad, here's your bullhorn. 
you and Ike are going to ride around in the golf cart. And Jason, that was his name, uh, had a bunch of Navajo boys and said, Dad, we're going to be the second round. And we worked all night long, got done at four in the morning. And that night, he was moving to Richard Ruby's church to the school of his sister. So um, he laughed. He said, Dad, I, I really, I, I got to change my name or I got to change my attitude. Because if I move in with my sister and go to Pastor Ruby's church, I'm going to have to be really safe. So we get in the car, and of course he knew nothing about cars. And he said, can you show me how to check the oil? I said, dude, all this wealth of information, you want to learn how to change your oil now? So I showed him how to check the oil, the transmission fluid. And then we were both kind of speaking. So he said, Dad, let's go for a ride. I went for it. The little car was really fast. And we got stopped by the police in Prescott, right around the town. Well, the police officer is one of the police officers at the church today, Monty. <laughs> yes. So Monty pulls us over and he comes up. You gotta know Larry, you gotta know Monty and his dad. I bet he sees us. He said, Pastor Eddie, what are you doing speeding? We had a powerful reunion. We had two hours to leave at that Oh my gosh. So what the little guy did is he broke rank. Never break rank, especially with you two over there. You don't even know what tomorrow holds. Listen. You're not smart. We are smart. We are helping you be smart. Okay? They said, you, when you take down the tank, you can't go home. It's 5 in the morning. I feed you, you go to bed, and you stay there till check -out. You get 5, 6 hours of sleep. And I feed you a burger here and now, everybody goes home. And I know you guys think you're a superman and super strong and can outwork your dad, which is totally, totally not possible. Uh, he decides he wants to go home on his own. And being the pastor's kids, they take privileges that are not common to normal kids. And I'm not saying you're dumb, even though I might be thinking. <laughs> so he can't do it alone. And he gets his closest Navajo buddies. The weakest link, Shaj. <laughs> Other son of the weakest link, knowing he can push him off the edge easy. Let's go home. You know how dad is. I make to stay here. You got time for that. You got things to do. You know how you guys are. Anyway, they uh, get in the car. They had another guy with them, Travis Pauly. Travis Pauly sitting in the back and says, You know what? You guys are losers. I'm getting out of this car, man. You're breaking line. So he gets out. Two hours later, the usual thing is, he, the devil waited until he got on Navajo soil. You know, the yesterday, there were just place. about as many women here, John, how you doing? There were just about as many women. I said, it was like 15 women and no men. Now it's the complete opposite today. Now, I said that knowing a lot of you guys didn't have any of but I don't, I don't <laughs> remind you. <laughs> so yeah, man. 
So uh, we crossed into the Navajo Nation border and right two miles in, we uh, fell asleep at the wheel. Wow. That place is still there. I drove by there not long ago. There's still beat up old white plastic carnations. Crazy, right? What's really crazy, okay, five years ago, so take away five years from 21, 16 years past, and uh, the president of the Navajo Nation shows up in our church service on a Sunday night. Well, before I got the laser surgery, I don't know who comes in. I just know they're brown. <laughs> Brown is beautiful. White might be right, but don't suppose he can. Brown. Anyway. That's going to be edited on this audio. Sorry. No, leave it on Instagram. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. They forced me to say that. So anyway, uh, I'm preaching on world evangelism, sovereignty, an indigenous work. And I made the statement, as far as I can see, I'm the only indigenous entity in the Navajo Nation. I'm self-governing, self-supporting. The Navajo Nation is $1.2 billion as a part of the national deficit. They're like this. <laughs> One of the ushers who loves me sends me a pastor. Calm down. The president of the Navajo Nation is here. <laughs> so he answers the altar call. Wow. Take the offering to supply all of our needs. And uh, so afterwards, the president comes up to me and he says, That is the most intense sermon I ever heard on one. I looked at right there and said, did you throw anything yet? <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> so anyway, fast forward the tape. He gives me free. Now I know Chinley's not much, but he gives me downtown property. He gives you what? He gives me access to downtown property. Okay. An extension to my property. So when it comes down to actually getting all the documents I had to go to window up the capital during the three day fast perfect time and sign all the documents for the property I'm driving to window up and the secretary of the president's office calls me and said hey the meeting changed to Chinley well it was almost in window up meet you at Denny's in Chinley it was brand new so I go back to Denny's, and they're late, no surprise to me. So I get another phone. I'm in Denny's on a three-day fast, last day. Bacon. And of course, Leonard and Danny tapped out because they're weak. My two evangelists tapped out. There's something wrong with food. I said, I'm a nice principal. I'm not even sitting with you guys. So anyway, I get another phone call. Said the meaning changed to the metropolis of Bird Springs. <laughs> I get to Bird Springs, business office closed, no propane. I live here. I'm losing it. 
I can't handle it. These guys are still licking their chumps and I'm driving and I'm driving. So I get another call. They said the meeting has changed to Loop, Arizona. So I go to Loop. Here's the conclusion of the story. Average mileage on that's about what, 20 miles to 50 miles a piece? At least. At least. So I'm now two hours from home on a Wednesday, last day of the fast. But I go into the meeting and I'm the last one. And they present me a Nyondo standing ovation. The delegation of the Navajo Nation stand and present me the new property. And all the governments. They thank me for being there. Here's the kicker. The very place my son was killed is the very place God blessed me with that. Oh my God. <laughs> that sounds biblical. You can't make that stuff up. <laughs> so that day, I leave the building. Instead of going left right to go home, I turn left. Two miles up the road. Well, son, look what the Lord has done. I'll see you soon. Isn't that crazy? So I get all this property handed to me from the president of the nation. Only now, now the tribe could have screwed that up that night, no doubt. <laughs> I believe that God, the God of heaven, orchestrated. And, uh, I'm gonna bless you, but and just screwed everything up. And to this day, I don't know why we had to go to that place. Two and a half hours, three hours from the capital. Late in the afternoon. Hmm. Isn't that a crazy story? Pastor, how much uh, concrete do you think is over there? Probably about 10 tons. All that loose concrete on about your property? 100 tons. 100 tons. So if you know anybody who can get some equipment to Chin Lee, I've prayed over that concrete, asking God to send angels to remove it, <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet. Well, don't say angels too loud because I just found out that I'm the angel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the ruby. <laughs> to the angel of the church in Chinle. Yeah. yeah, so there's about a hundred tons of uh, broken down concrete. Yeah, oh my crazy. God. That is, it needs property. to be removed. But getting equipment and, take, you know, it could be accommodated, but the cost... Um, so if anybody's listening to this, then they know how to change Martinez, maybe. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, it just, it's got to get new. Because it can't be. It's almost a full acre, maybe. Maybe a half acre of the land. How much land is with that concrete? One and a half acres. Okay, and then, but the concrete covers about what? About a half? One and a half acres. Wow. About probably a whole acre. Yeah. So you probably and it's, like, so yeah, it's, it's like a yeah. dumping ground or something. Well, there was an old building there that got destroyed. So what a so trip to look back. So the moral to the story is, doesn't matter what you go through. There's two things I learned about tragedy and loss, struggle and heartache at decimal levels. 
it's never as bad as we think it is in our own mind. Yeah. It's the first thing I learned. Catch this next one. It can always be worse. So what I learned during that time is I had to actually live out powerful scriptures. Search my heart, oh God. You cannot allow the circumstances of life to alter your mind, your heart, your vision. If you guys remember, we buried Pastor Mitchell asked me to have the funeral on a Thursday because it was going to restrict who could come. When Wednesday hit, I couldn't take it no more. I just told Pastor Mitchell, you know what, it's Wednesday. I can't, we're done. And we had church that night. That's what we do. Went to prayer the next morning. Yeah. That's what you do. Went to outreach Saturday. If you remember the parade? Remember when the MC stopped the parade? He said, ladies and gentlemen, this is downtown Chennai. I don't know who these people are. I don't go to church. But they just buried the pastors. they serve that would cause them to still be telling us to give their life to Jesus Christ. So we owe this church a round of applause. Wow. What, 10,000 people? So it reminds me that, that God does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. That's that's true for ministry, but that's also true for like having to go through horrible situations. Well, you know, what else I've learned is it's not so much the impact we can make on the city, but the impact that city makes on us. Because there is a process of development as we enter into those principalities and powers. As we begin to war in the heavenlies, we begin to find the mind of God for the culture, for the audience. So obviously there's an intense development. They're supposed to shape us to some level. This, and they'll, they'll give you signs. Case in point, my camp meeting with the, with the food. If you feed us, we'll listen to you. That wasn't my creative idea. I just began to realize these people like to socialize. So what would hinder me from being shaped into their atmosphere to create the arena they're comfortable in? That's why I can do a crusade at 10% of the population. Because they taught me how to reach them. Family meetings. I don't like to open my church to family meetings. When the native guys, they have four days. They meet, usually meet a place. That's very inconveniencing for me. But that's who I pass on. So we just had a boy killed in Phoenix, second one this week. 
So they called me, I'm here. Can we use the building for a family meeting? I'm going to deny that. I hardly know these people. I know a lot of guys who would deny that. They're going to remember the, the pastor that helped them. That's true. So they've had two meetings. They asked me, will you do the funeral when you get back? Well, of course I will. So as you enter into those dynamics, you know, and I understand our pattern, I understand our principles, I understand our need to be all that we're supposed to be. But you're not going to impose that across the board. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have to find your way in it. And as I look at the enormous impact we've made on the Navajo Nation, there's been an, I don't want to use the term integrating, but there's been a very practical approach to reaching these people. So you let them have family meetings. You don't turn everything over. And that's the funeral program. You control everything. But you better accommodate to some level. Yeah, you can't impose too much too soon, especially to a foreign entity. And the Catholics went too far the other extreme. They burned cedar at their altar. I would never do that. I just did a funeral for a young boy right before I came. A Del Muerto boy. He buried his brother and his sister. All the siblings have died. So I've won the parents to the highest level. Their tradition. I'm not going to fight over the sage and the cleansing. That's their business. But they asked me to be cleansed. And I just politely says, all the funerals I've done for you have never asked me to do this. And I'm going to politely say i got to go. And they accepted it. I didn't make a big fuss of it. Especially in that office. You know, what does Paul say? We read it, but doing it is so different. <laughs> we become all things to all men. And the goal is not to become all things to all men. The context of that passage is that we may win the more. And what so, did you tell them? They, they wanted to do the sage? Yeah, the said, sage. You have to walk through their sage spot. Right. The, and these people are a little more adamant. They wanted to sprinkle you with the right. cedar branches. And I've seen that a million times. But... Uh, I could have taken offense right? because I didn't know the person was asking me and it could have been completely facetious knowing that I was going to deny right? it could have been but I didn't let that absorb my thought at all and I didn't say I don't do that very politely so you denied but it was yeah, in a very went, yeah. respectful polite way and then as I was walking up I just kind of laughed Huh? As I was walking over, I just kind of laughed, and I told him in Navajo, which means you all know I'm a little Mexican priest. I'm not a part of your culture. That's what I was saying in my own time. So, there you go. The Chronicles of Artists. On the 21 year anniversary. That would be a great title for the upcoming book, Chronicles of Artie. 
When are you gonna When are you gonna put this on paper for us? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, the stories are overwhelmingly. Uh, <laughs> no, the name of the book's going to be What They Didn't Tell Us and We Can Take the Land. <laughs> so I was going to ask you a question. Oh. How are you liking or enjoying or adapting to long term ministry? To long term? In ministry. In ministry. Oh, so yeah, I. Re- the church that we took over. Uh, has been around since the early 90s. And there was a couple of times that they had some breakout revival before we were there. And so, but when we got there, it was, there was some trouble. There was some drama happening that we're coming into. And so we've been depleted to about two families, two solid families and a few others. So God dealt with us early on that this was going to be a long-term post. That this, this people needed stability. In 20 years, they've had seven pastors already. And um, so we took that and ran with it. And it's been, I can't say that, um, that I've never um, heard the voice to move on. In fact, I, I'm kind of, kind of always in the back of my head. Like, we can move on at any time. But God has never pushed us to that place. And um, so it's it's interesting. I read the book. Um, I'm gonna forget the name. Breakout churches. Okay. Read it? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. Fantastic read. But they in that book, the, the churches that experience a breakthrough. One thing that's in common with all of them is long-term ministry. What you're talking about. Pastors had been there for 20 years or more when breakout occurred. So when I read that, that was kind of a confirmation for me that it's okay to plant your life in one place. And what you see over time, I'm sure you can testify to, is the, the compounding interest of ministry. I'll tell you one quick story. When we got there, we got there in 2010. So 2012, a young man came into our church. He's 16 years old. Got saved. My wife is the one who knocked on his door and invited him to the service. He came, he got saved, and he... He, uh, he was coming for about six months. It's pretty solid. Um, his family was a mess. Uh, but then after that, he kind of fell off the map, and he became one of those once-every-six-month kind of guys. He would come in, and everybody would say, Hey, David, so good to see you, you know? And then we wouldn't see him again for six months, and that was kind of the pattern. So that was in 2012. What year is it now? 2023. So last year, 10 years after the fact... I had literally been following up on this guy for 10 years. Every time we have an, an event, I would send him a message. I'd send him the flyer. I would text him. I'd stay in contact. I'd give him a call. And even even times where there was a year in between where he would text me back, God never let this guy off my heart. Wow. So now he was 16 years old. Last year, he's 26 years old. He has a crisis in his marriage. And at that time, he knows where to turn. He came back to our service, got his heart right. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, you know, if we would have moved on, uh, that would never have happened. So he's uh, now he's, you know, he's not a, he's not a full on disciple, but he is coming to services now. He's bringing his wife. There's restoration happening. there. So things like that are, are 
to me, that's that's God's confirmation that this is right. And I'm open to leave at any time. Like, I've got that in me, that missionary thing that I want to be out there. But God has subdued that in us so that we can be there for this church. Amen. I hope that answers your yes. question. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel all of those things. I guess it's time to go. I guess we gotta go. I know it was short. Pastor Artie, thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks.